Musical revolutionaries come in two forms. In one corner, you have the torchbearers. They're representatives of a style that's been kicking around for a while, but suddenly bursts into the mainstream and announces, you're about to hear a lot of us, plus a thousand bands of various quality that sound like us. Torchbearers kick the door open and everyone rushes in with power chords or tuned down guitars or 808 beats or funky drummer samples. Think Nirvana, Korn, Run DMC, or a song from 1993, Nothing But a G Thing. In the other corner, you have the genius who cannot be cloned, represented by another breakout artist from 1993, Bjork. We did not get 100 Bjork soundalikes. We didn't even get one. If you really want to set your brain on fire, imagine describing Bjork to someone who's never heard her. Well, she samples funk records like a hip-hop artist, but also sometimes it's dance music or emotional ballads. Oh, and she often sings off-key and has phrasing ideas that fall way outside how most people sing in English. And sometimes she sings gibberish instead of English. It sounds like I'm describing the worst record you've ever heard, right? Well, everything I said is true, but Bjork's 1993 debut, which was called Debut, is a platinum-selling hit that kicked off one of the most remarkable and unique careers in pop history, and one single with a memorable video started it all. Today on Hidden Jukebox, Bjork's Human Behavior. I just want to say, uh, if you look up Bjork on Wikipedia, it claims that it's pronounced Bjork. I'm sure I'm sure the way we say it in English is not the same way people say it in Iceland, but no, the, she's this, probably let, used to let's it. Let's just start off with Jake's show off moment. I just got back from Iceland last month. Oh, okay. And impersonating Any sightings? Impersonating an Icelandic uh accent and or uh their language is pretty much impossible. <laughs> but and yet it's your new thing it's it's like they all grew up on an island in the middle of the ocean separated from everywhere else and only learn from each other and like get buried by a volcano every few years yes that's that's exactly right no bjork sightings um anyone a, from uh, of monsters and men are they from iceland pretty sure because one of the things i was going to bring up is are there other bands from Iceland besides the Sugar Cubes and Sigur Rós? When when of Monsters and Men had their first big hit single, I like read uh, you know went to their Wikipedia page and it said that they won a battle of the bands. And I mentioned this to Lori, uh, who said, "You mean they beat the other band?" <laughs> I, I thought that you were going to say that they uh, won Eurovision. No, uh, I don't think so. It's possible because you know they made this fake eurovision movie a couple years ago with will ferrell right i Um, I vaguely remember this and they're playing the icelandic representatives of eurovision and so while i was in iceland we watched as much of this movie as i could stomach before i'm like (laughs) okay i can't do this we're wasting our vacation and that was maybe 20 minutes of the movie but um, I, that, I was going to see concerts and everybody kept calling for the band to cover the song uh, from the movie, which is called Ya Ya Ding Dong. <laughs> and I, did, I didn't understand this joke until five days into the trip. And all these people are like, play Ya Ya Ding Dong. And I'm like, what the fuck is Ya Ya Ding Dong? <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Um. I, I bet there are a bunch of bands in Iceland. I think it's like a place with bored indie kids. Oh, there, uh, there's definitely a bunch of bands in Iceland. Uh, yeah. My favorite bar that I was going to while I was there is called Lemmy's. 
named <laughs> after Lemmy Kilminster, and it has rock and metal bands and thrash bands like every night of the week, and they're all really good. I went yeah. there on, on Friday night, and there was a DJ who was DJing and playing live drums along to everything, and it was phenomenal because you think like, oh, so he's like doing break beats or or hip hop or EDM. No, he's playing like famous rock and metal songs and then playing drums like on a dime to it. Like yeah. these Icelandic people know what the hell they're doing. Um, I imagine like I've never been to Iceland and I've never been to Nova Scotia, but I imagine them being kind of similar. And uh, there's a lot of good bands from Nova Scotia. So. Oh, yeah. Name your two favorites. Oh, uh, Sloan and the Flashing Lights. I knew it would be two that I've never heard of before. Um, You've never heard of Sloan? Sloan is like Canada's official indie band. That's not saying much. <laughs> also, I thought that New Pornographers was Canada's official indie band. Yeah, you're right. Sloan, um, was, Sloan was before New Pornographers. Fair enough. So were I did they not really. Have any- yeah, they were. I did not have any Bjork sightings, nor did I see anything about Bjork, nor did I see anything about Sigurós. For some reason, I had in my head that, like, these people are the pride of Reykjavik and that their names <laughs> were going to be everywhere. And it's like, that's not like really the plaques. music they listen to. There's there's not, like, like, posters or artwork up or anything. And it's a small city, but it's not like you wander around and go, oh, there's Jonesy. Yeah, I I had the idea like years ago, uh, back when I had ideas uh, that I was going to go to to Sweden and write a book about Swedish uh, pop music um, because like it seemed like every band that I liked was Swedish at that at that moment. Like Swedish and, House Mafia. Like Swedish House Mafia. <laughs> like Peter Bjorn and John and Jens Lekman and yep. Blythe and uh, stuff um, and uh, Robin and uh, and then I was like mm, first of all like I'm not I'm not really like qualified to do this and also like I would get there and like it would be like hard to set up an appointment to to like interview John from Peter Bjorn and John and I would just get discouraged yeah plus so. it's it's not a small country it's not a big country yeah. but like you get in your head like well these people probably just like hang out in the same restaurants that you're going to go to. And I don't think that's what I, that's what originally got me on the idea that like, there's just so many great songwriters in in Sweden that I would just kind of wander around and meet them. Yeah. Well, I hear that that happens in LA, but it doesn't happen anywhere else in the United States. (laughs) It never happened to me in LA. I've lived in Seattle for 24 years and I'm not sure that I've ever run into an even pseudo famous musician in this city in those 24 years. Oh, my friend Molly ran into Jeff Ament like within the last couple of years. That's cool. I would love to run into him. And yet I'd probably just be like, you're, you're a good bass player. <laughs> That's exactly what. Yes, that was her reaction. Precisely. Yeah. yeah like, like, I don't like, know what I would say. Like, so I've been listening to you for a long time, just like everybody else who walks up to you. I, I think I think uh, he was introduced to her in like the best way a celebrity can be introduced, which was this is my friend, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like what do you say to that i don't know still the same thing uh, i know hi, hi, like, hi jeff i like to you oh nice to meet you jeff i think you just play dumb at that point yeah right yeah totally uh it it's easier with somebody named jeff than somebody named stone because like if you ran stone gossard this is my friend stone yeah. it's like oh i confused you with my other friend stone yeah 
um, Stone Stone Pony. Is there someone else named Stone? Um, no, actually, my friend's kid is named Stone, but it might okay. be after Stone Gossard. Could be. So uh, Bjork, um, Bjork's had a forty-five year career. That's um, wild. Like she she recorded her first solo album in nineteen seventy-seven when she was eleven years old. And it wasn't just because, like, her parents took her to a recording studio. It was because she got hurt at a talent show and some, like, record execs, reps, whatever you have in Iceland were like, we've got to record this girl. Like, she's she's phenomenal. Have so, you heard any of that album? I'm I sure haven't. it's around. I, I, I have not. I, like, to be completely transparent, I had never listened to a lot of sugar cubes before this, so I listened to a bunch of sugar cubes the last couple of weeks to see if it would uh, be my thing at all. Okay, so sugar cubes, I I remember like hearing a lot like on on 120 minutes in the in the like end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, and. Uh, uh, and hearing on, on alternative radio sometimes. And uh, the main thing that, that comes to mind when you mention the sugar cubes is the time a friend tried to convince me, and I think like did convince me briefly, that the talking guy from the sugar cubes had like a hugely successful solo career, which I think at the time he had not made a solo album. I think now he has, which and, it, and has not been hugely successful. Okay, so, so a couple things. First off, you go back and listen to the sugar cubes, and it's not like a, wow, you could... Totally imagine that this band was uh, current. They they are very eighties. <laughs> like yes. they they were clearly trying to do this kind of Joy Division type of thing. Like like it's pre shoegaze. It's like al- almost post punk type of thing. But uh, to sound like a jerk for a minute, the whole thing is pretty good except for the talking guy. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Like like and I, like I listen to it. I go. Were they trying to do like a she blinded me with science thing on every song or something? Kind of. Yeah, that's that's a good analogy. (laughs) I uh, like I don't really get it. I do like. okay. so I'm going to first of all come clean here and say I'm not a big Bjork fan. Um, I uh, there are definitely some Bjork songs I like. I have nothing but respect for what she does. And I think she's a genius. And it's just like a little bit not for me. Um. You know, the Sugar Cubes, I almost kind of feel the same way that, like, they had this idea that, like, no one would have suggested that they do, and they just went for it 110%, right? Yeah, Yeah. and they only recorded three albums, and the three albums are very similar to each other. They had their sound down, and I think you either liked it or you didn't, and that's that's kind of Bjork, too. She's going to be polarizing because... She does what she does, and you're either going to really like it or it's not really going to be your thing. Yeah, and and having said that, there are certain Bjork songs that I do really like, and we'll always get into them when they come on, like Hyper Ballad and uh, Yoga. Is that how you say it? Uh, Or Joga? uh, Well, I don't know how you say it, but spell Joga. Uh, This song, I, I heard Human Behavior... I heard on MTV as I did. Yeah, me too. Everything back in 1993, and I loved it from the get go. And I I put in the notes here. I was 13 at the time, and I was at that age where I'm a stupid adolescent, and girls are still confusing to me. And I'm like, oh well, I'm not supposed to like music that's a female fronted act because girls have cooties or whatever and so i didn't 
latch on to a lot of music with female vocals but this was like so different and so cool and i'm like sitting there going i can't really figure out what's going on it doesn't sound like Mm -hmm. anything else but it's like you want to move to it and it's heavy and you're right she's like almost off key but she sounds so awesome like the way that she screams and she's guttural yeah and it's got lyrics but it doesn't really even need the lyrics almost yeah and some of the lyrics are not words like people like before before you could like find the lyrics to anything on the internet like people had some like pretty strong ideas of like what she was saying in certain parts um and uh she she like made clear that no like it's really like made up and she'll do it differently in concert every time well well not that they're similar at all but i think of the band phoenix because i remember watching an interview with them after uh uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix came out where the lead singer was like, I honestly don't speak English very well. And so I will latch on to sounds that work over the music and yeah. I will create these repetitive things. And I think that Bjork Price speaks English fine because everybody everyone in, in Scandinavia does everybody in Scandinavia does. But I think that she's latching on to almost noise and sound over creating some sort of uh, poetry or something. Yeah, it varies. This song definitely, although this song is clearly like about something, like there are other, like like Hyper Ballad, I feel like is a song with a very strong story and point of view. Um, And I I don't think that, that, I'm not speaking for her entire career, which again is 45 years. There's no way to (laughs) just go, yeah, all she does is gutturals and strange noises. Like she's done all Bjork style stuff, but a little bit of everything. You you listen to all of debut and there's there are jazz songs on it. Yeah. There, there are dance hits. There are are like horn arranged sections. It's got a lot of different things going on. Yeah. But but it's got her stamp on it. Like the second oh, always yeah. the second that she starts singing, you know exactly who it is. Yeah, I tried to think of like, could I think of anyone else that I would classify as maybe in the same the same working in the same realm as Bjork? Maybe not like even sounding like her, but like someone that is like a pure individual. Um, and the the two I came up with were Kate Bush. Which are you sitting in front of a of a portrait of Kate Bush? That <laughs> <laughs> really looks a lot like her. Um, yeah, yeah, this is my Kate Bush room actually. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna post a screenshot of uh, that's, this that's in, the, really in the episode description. <laughs> there she um, is. <laughs> and and Imogen Heap, who I was I kind of like got the idea in the, my head and briefly convinced myself that maybe the song Hide and Seek came out in the nineties. It did not, so no, we were not gonna it was do that on the show. I, if I, I was know, guessing. But but it would be cool if we could because that song rocks. It it's so amazing. The first time somebody played it for me, I'm like how did somebody create a vocals only song where you can hear all of the parts like like in your head you can hear the harmony playing mm-hmm. over chords but there are no chords it, yeah, it's and really I think, amazing i think like you know if you think of of this song and hide and seek like they're both songs where like you know someone went in with like an idea that is the kind of idea that if you or I came up with it, first of all, we wouldn't. But if we did, we'd be like, well, I can't obviously can't do that. Let's throw that away and come up with something more normal. And, you know, but instead they just went with it all the way. Yeah. Uh, 
which brings me to I did not realize that this song was a sample. Um, oh, I didn't either until until I started reading about it for the for the episode. So so I was like, well, what what's the instrumentation on this? There's this great, great live video from 93 or 94 that's well produced on YouTube where it's being played live and you've got like a bass player timpanis who's and that guy's also playing percussion mm-hmm. drums maybe two keyboard players background singers so it's western instruments but it sounds totally unique but then you put in the notes this is actually a song called go down dying recorded by the ray brown orchestra produced by quincy jones Ray Brown is maybe the most famous uh, jazz bass player ever. Argue, you can you can argue. Um, maybe that Swedish guy. Oh, um, oh, damn it! It's like damn three it. initials. You, you've uh, Esborn Svensson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you play the song that's probably fifty years old, and it's not far off from this at all. Right. So, like, they took the sample and they did a couple things with it. First of all, they they transposed it, like, um, first, I think they took it down half a step and then brought it back up for the chorus. Yeah. So that, like, that gives it kind of like an otherworldly, like, they wouldn't actually have done it that, they wouldn't have had enough timpanis to actually do it that way. Um, But, and then they they threw in, like, some some snaps and some wood blocks, I think, but there's not much, and a keyboard part later, maybe maybe an electric guitar part near the The, end. Yeah, the electric guitar part near the end. But other than that, and like they just t- really took the the sample for like the first you know uh, couple of bars of the song because like then like a different electric guitar part comes in in the original song. Yeah, um, and and the they did a radio edit for this. The uh, actual track that's on the album is I think about five minutes long, and yeah, and it doesn't really have an ending. It has a section where it sounds like it's ending, and then it keeps going. And it's one of the interesting things about this song is the song has got a verse and chorus. It's sort of got a bridge, but it does not feel it's almost like a dance track where it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like it needs to end at any point ever that they could just keep going with it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, while I was listening to this, I like I think I listened to this song more than I usually do before we do an episode just because I was really getting into it. Um, there is a song that this reminds me of a lot. And it, that song is Shoot You Down by the Stone Roses. Yeah. Because the groove is very similar. Like the... And then, uh, and then like the lot of toms and, uh, and like bass driven. Um, the other than the fact that the groove is kind of similar, then the songs go in totally different directions. So if you want to hear like what this song might have, might have turned out like if Bjork were like a very conventional like you know, talented but conventional indie alt-rock musician, listen to Shoot You Down by the Stone Roses, which is also a very good song, but in a completely different way. That that whole album is fantastic. I think that's my favorite album, honestly. Like favorite album ever, period? Ever, yeah. It, it, it is one of the greatest albums ever made, like the Stone Roses self-titled. Um, I have to ask now, getting back to it, what don't you like about Bjork? Um... I, I don't know. Like, I think I think we've had this conversation many times before. Like, you know, how do you like 
if you ask me, like, what do I like about the Stone Roses? I don't know. Like, I could point to some things that that tend to appear in music that I like, but like the the things that really like, you know, I, I guess I guess it's like if you ask me, like, why why don't you like Fleet Foxes? Fleet Foxes is a, is a band that's not for me, and yet they are pretty much the same as uh, Blitz and Trapper. So like, and I love Blitz and Trapper. So why don't I like Fleet Foxes? I don't know. Fair enough. Um, like I said, Bjork's very polarizing, but most people I know really like her. That being said, um, em- embarrassingly, uh, two of these shows that I've been to in my entire life, and I've been to hundreds of shows that have either put me to sleep or almost put me to sleep, are Bjork and Cigaros. <laughs> I actually fell asleep at a Cigarettes show. Um, and Bjork, I was so excited to see. I saw her in about 2008 or 2009. I can't remember which tour it was. And I always want to see her live. I want to see how they did the instrumentation, which was very interesting. Um, I want to see what she wore on stage. like. But But in classic Bjork fashion, rather than playing the hits... It was all like deep album cuts, mm-hmm. and it felt like she was purposely trying to just alienate the entire audience. Like, oh, what song do you like? Well, yeah, we're not going to do that either. Next song. <laughs> uh, and so like three quarters of the way through the set, I'm just like, I'm kind of bored. Like, like I was really excited at first, and now I'm just kind of bored. But yeah, it was it, it's tough because both that and Cigarettes were great shows like if somebody asked me did you enjoy seeing them i'd say absolutely totally worth it but was it one of my favorite shows i've ever seen absolutely not yeah um i can i can see that like i think that's always like i don't know i I guess i've gotten more cynical about that as i've gotten older and that like i i really just want people to play the hits (laughs) like i understand like like i appreciate like from an artistic integrity standpoint that that uh, you know they can it's their show and they can do whatever they want but I kind of wanted to play the hits yeah like like I'm I just got tickets to see uh, Interpol and Spoon oh yeah yeah which I can't wait but Spoon especially has a very very large catalog to pick from Interpol yeah. th- themselves I think have six albums mm-hmm. there are songs that I want both them to play and there's a very good chance that they don't play any of those songs. I think I can name some songs that Spoon will play. I'm sure that I will be able to name some songs and then but it's it's like they just put out a new album. How much do they lean on that new album right. and and how much do they go here are the hits when a lot of people can't even name a Spoon track. Yeah. They're um, they're one of those bands that's big without actually being big. That's true. Spoon is a is is a much more popular band than I realized. And yet much less popular as well, where it's like right. like the somebody who doesn't really listen to indie rock w- wouldn't even be able to pick them out of a crowd. Right. So it's interesting. Uh, so point being about seeing Bjork, it it's weird to say this, but it's one of the only shows I can think of where I gained respect for somebody and also was like, ah, yeah, they could have put on a better show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think of Bjork as being a great performer. Like whenever I've watched a live clip, like she's oh, captivating. she owned it. Like she completely owned the stage. It, it was incredible. But uh, you know, by the way, the hits. 
I, I feel like I feel like you uh, you should be thanking me for not sending you a clip of me singing the song for this week. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I I did mention uh, this this song, Human Behavior. Talk about a chorus that is totally catch- yeah, catchy. Yeah, let's talk about this chorus. It's totally catchy. It's immediately recognizable, but it is not singable at all. It's it's like nobody is going to go to karaoke and do human behavior. Like no. everybody sing along to the chorus with me. <laughs> um I have m- many times heard people do um what's it called? It's getting very quiet. Is it's that what so, it's called? It's so so quiet. It's so so quiet. Um at karaoke. That is a good karaoke song. I don't know. Even though the part where she starts screaming at the end, boy, that'd be hard to nail. I mean, I've heard it done well and badly. Yeah, I haven't done it. Um, yes, I know what you mean. I wonder if someone has done one of those things where they like auto tune an ex- a song that was recorded before auto tune. Can you imagine? It <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> would be so bad. <laughs> it, it would definitely Although change the scope. It might be scope. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's such an interesting chorus because. I it really feels like the type of thing where only she can sound great on it and yes and you even found a couple of covers of this that they do a pretty good job with it but it's you're not going to find a ton of covers of this you're not going to find somebody reinterpreting it or anything like that yeah that's true like for for a song that's a very well known popular song there are not a ton of covers on YouTube like I've had one of a guy doing just an instrumental acoustic guitar cover that's amazing because he's doing like the vocal part and the bass and some of the other stuff all at once on acoustic I'll link to that there is there is like a duo from Siberia that that are like indigenous Siberian is that the one that you sent me yes who have incredible costumes and uh, did a really amazing job. But yeah, like, you know, if you were going to reinterpret this song, like you're either going to make, you're either going to like water it down or just try and do it like too much like her and not add anything to it. Right. Well, well, and uh, you, you mentioned that the chorus goes up a half step. Anybody who plays music trying to sing a half step up from where you've been yeah, yeah. is very challenging. It's it's like it's like moving your voice an inch up and it it just isn't natural. I mean because she's hanging back on the beat like you do you do get a little warning from the harmony uh, of like where to come in. But yeah, like I I wouldn't recommend covering this song. No. Uh I I was sure that this was one of her most popular songs uh, since it was like her first big hit, and it's not at all. Um, it's got to be in the top ten, though. Probably in the top ten, but that's not saying a lot. I, I mean, oh, she's had a lot of a lot of solid hits. Yes, "Army of Me" is is definitely one of her biggest. It, it mm-hmm. is her most popular song, um, which I heard on the Tank Girl soundtrack for the first sure. time before. Uh, post came out and uh, not a great movie, uh, but a, a great soundtrack, which I think we mentioned uh, last episode that happened a lot in the 90s where it was like forgettable yep. movie. Great soundtrack. Tank Girl soundtrack. Go check it out. You'd really like yep. it. We talked about the Angus soundtrack last week, last month, I think. Yeah, we did talk about the Angus soundtrack, which I still didn't go and listen to, but I need to. It's so good. <laughs> I'm going to listen to it and go, now I should go watch this movie, and then I'm going to go watch the movie. And don't go, watch the movie. God I, I mean, damn I you, know. Matthew. I should never have watched this movie. <laughs> 
Are there are there like contemporary soundtracks that you'd be like, yeah, that's pretty good. Hmm. I can't remember the last movie I saw where it was like the no, music. No, because I don't like I don't pay attention to movies anymore. Fair enough. I I feel like, like I still watch a lot problem. of movies, but yeah. Uh, but they don't do soundtracks the same way that they used to. Yeah. It's like the first thing that pops in my head isn't even new, and that's Cowboy Bebop. And that's okay. not even song so much as a whole theme. Yeah. I mean, there's there's tons of great anime soundtracks with, like, original songs. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you've got to say about Bjork? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Like, this, this song, like, r- remains, like, really inventive and fresh. Like, uh, how long after it came out? 29 years? Yep. Um. Like, you know, there there are I feel like a lot of stuff I listen to takes like very standard pop songwriting and like kind of hang some interesting sounds on it or like we're going to like throw in a measure of five here. Like, you know, and I love that stuff. And like I, I, you know, sometimes write songs that way myself. And yet that's not really like you know, creative in the same way that that uh, this song is creative. This this was like a wild move that was that was amazingly successful. And in a way that like, you know, I th- there, there's no way to explain really why. Like you can hear that it all works. But like this was a hit song. But but it's funny because it brings us back to what we were saying at the beginning, which is the sugar cubes were not that the sh- the sugar cubes were of a certain era and they yeah while the music holds up it's very dated and this you can still listen to and go this is really cool and i don't necessarily know if i could say when it was written or when it came out there's nothing in the production or anything like that that makes me go well clearly early 90s clearly alternative grunge era it's its own thing um is is bjork the opposite of sting (laughs) In terms of one of them's good and one of them sucks, yeah, definitely. I don't know. I don't even hate Sting. I don't like, hate Sting. I just think his music sucks. Um, I, that, that's what I mean. Like, like if Fields of Gold comes on, like I'm not gonna put it on myself, but I'm gonna sing along if it comes on. But like Sting went from being in like a pretty inventive rock band to to a very conventional solo career. Yeah. Um, and Bjork did exactly the opposite. Like Sting was like, look, guys, I can sing popular jazz songs and everyone uh-huh. went, nobody cares <laughs> <laughs> well nobody cares except we're going to buy seven million of this album <laughs> hey he's laughing all the way to the bank uh-huh i i did want to say bjork's put out nine albums and uh-huh. and continues to write stuff and continues to put put albums out does that are you counting volnacura strings as a separate album uh i'm just counting her like single name okay uh like albums that she's put out and and it's been pretty consistent every four years or so yeah i will say this makes me makes me want to like listen to like more recent bjork albums because i i kind of kind of like dismissed her early on as like not my thing and and should like go and give her another try and i always like to jump into an artist with their most recent stuff well uh the the buzzwords or terms that I found most associated with Bjork were avant-garde and eclectic. And I think the one thing that you can say about her music is it has remained avant-garde and eclectic. That's good. Yeah. I, All right. I, I think you'd really enjoy it. Uh, what are you listening to right now? Okay. I got a, I got a couple things here. So 
Jake, have you watched the video or just listened to the song Totally Fine by Pup? No. Okay. This is, I know I call songs catchy all the time, but this one really, like, it went almost to the point of, of uh, like, disorder. Because I have been going around singing the chorus to this song, like, nonstop for three weeks now. Uh, and okay. So... The video is very funny, but the song like stands alone as like just a perfect pop song. Um, and so like I feel like you know how like our phones and like smart speakers and stuff are always listening to us. I feel like mine, like like someone at Apple or Amazon or whatever is 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 going like, why does this guy keep going around singing lately? I've started to feel like I'm slowly dying. Is something <laughs> wrong with him? Maybe we should like send some some of our like goons over to check on him. Hi, goons. But, Man, but if you don't like this song, I think we're done with this podcast. <laughs> um, and so, so Pup is is they're from Toronto. They're they're just a really good pop punk band, and like a bunch of songs on this new album are good. It's called "The Unraveling of Pup the Band," but uh, "Totally Fine" is the best song on it. It is killer. Uh, the other punk record that I am going to recommend, I'm going all punk this time, is sort of on the other end of the punk spectrum in that they are not pop punk. They are real like revolutionary punks, but also really fun. The band is called Soul Glow. They are named after the hair care product line from Coming to America. Um, and uh, the, the album is called Diaspora Problems, and they are a black punk rock band that is like, you know, politically aware, like incredibly like, like uh, you know, wordplay driven, great, like intense, aggressive vocals. And like, I can kind of only listen to half the album at, at a time because it is so heavy, but uh, it's so good. That's awesome. Um, and I am glad that they're an African-American band because I don't want a bunch of white guys naming their band Soul Glow. No, that would not be cool. No, like not cool at all. It, that is hilarious, though. Um, so uh, the Wet Leg album came out. I just want to say that. So good. It's so good. Like it, it lived up to the hype. Go listen to it. Um, I have to mention something that I'm incredibly disappointed by. Matt Cameron, Kim Thale, and Chris Novoselic of Soundgarden and Nirvana uh, put out a surprise album by their new surprise band, Third Secret. Yeah, I listened to this also. It's incredibly disappointing because you hear that those names did an album together and you want it to sound a certain way and it's kind of slow and meandering and there's virtually no like heavy rock songs where like yeah this is what i'm talking about it's just they're allowed to do whatever they want it's like i don't get to dictate this but it's not what i was hoping for yeah but the thing that i have been listening to recently that's blowing me away is a band called ibibio sound machine i am familiar with this band i like them a lot too it's it's like it's afrobeat but it's also modern edm it's indie it's a little talking heads they're they're doing what they do and they do it really really well yeah i think they first like appeared on a spotify playlist for me because they did a mountain goats cover yeah like that that's totally perfect words words probably didn't sound like the mountain goats no at not all. at all it's a terrific cover like they're being played on KEXP, but you hear it and you're like, this isn't KEXP music, but they're being played right. like during the day in the middle of everything else. And every time they come on, I'm like, what in the hell is this awesome? This? Yeah, it, it's like, real good. They've got they've just got like 
when you hear a band that just has like the energy, that is Ibibio Sound System. I also want to mention real quick, uh, a few months ago, I mentioned the band Salt, S-A-U-L-T. Yeah, they have a new record, right? They do have a new record. Have you listened to it yet? No, I haven't. Uh, it's going to blow you away, but not in the way that you think. Okay. They were kind of a dance group that was also, they're, they're a bunch of uh, English p- folk that are African-American and uh, they did a lot of conscious like- I think they're not actually African-American. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> no, because they're not American. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Well, Jake feels like an idiot for the fifth time today. <laughs> Moving on, um, their new album is symphonic. It it's okay. got it's got only kind of uh, like choral vocals that aren't doing lyrics. They're just doing soundscapes. And when I say symphonic, I mean it's like a twenty-two piece symphony, and the entire album is like that and doesn't stray from it at all. Okay. It's, it's shocking. I'm, I'm excited for this. I like that kind of thing. It's really amazing. And you would never in a million years guess that it's the same band that put out three albums in the last two years that are nothing like it. Yeah. I mean, I I hope it is uh, just as good as my favorite album, S&M. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to go with, with Fields of Gold by Sting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> my favorite album, 13 Summoner's Tales. Is that what it's called? <laughs> It's ten summoners' <laughs> tales. Come on! I don't... <laughs> oh wow! God, I thought you were a huge Sting fan. <laughs> Why did I think it was thirteen summoners? Because because he's really dark with his tantric <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, all right, uh, where can the people find us? Uh, find us at hiddenjukebox.com, facebook.com/slash hiddenjukebox. Instagram.com slash jukebox hidden on all your favorite podcast platforms. And until next time, I'm Jake Amster. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton.